Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Great question. You know, and, and, and to your question, basically just to prove how easy it is, it's, it's literally the same exact process. So you, you can literally have that same UPS driver that's picking up your boxes to go domestically here in the U.S. to, let's say, I don't know, Illinois or to California. That same driver could take boxes to go to the UK or to the or to Canadian marketplaces. So it's literally just slapping on an FBA label and a shipping label. That's that's how straightforward and simple it is. And yeah, it doesn't need any special, you know, packaging or whatever. Um, if it's good enough to go domestically here, it's gonna go that way as well. It's going by air, it's super fast, it's there in two, three days. So it's not like it's going to be banging around for like a while. So it's, it's you know, the, w- the way you're packing it here would be sufficient enough. Awesome. So the other thing that a lot of people probably don't know about is cert- certain marketplaces have these kind of like uh, bonuses or or like uh, from the governments, these like, you know, how to, to lure you into their market. So I think it's like Japan is uh, like a year or two years uh, and $80,000 before you pay any taxes, something like that. Can you yeah. go over like maybe a few of the, I think Australia might be similar. Some of the marketplaces sure. that maybe have this like added bonus that people may not know about. Yeah, so you're right. The threshold is around, you know, $80,000 $80, for both of the marketplaces. Um, I believe very similar for the UAE marketplace where you don't have to file taxes. I'm not a tax professional, I'll be honest. So like I, I can't advise the exact numbers, but yes, they do make it very enticing where you don't have to be fully, fully VAT set up. Or even if you are set up, let's say with a basic VAT number, let's say to ship in, you don't need to file. For Canva, the, the, the number's around 30,000. So it's, you know, very, very fast that you're going to get there. I mean, that's what I wish for everybody anyway. So they would have to file fairly quickly. But to get started, it's just about setting up the NRI number for, let's say, Canada or the VAT number, let's say, for, for uh, the UK. But a marketplace like Singapore, they could actually start shipping tomorrow. There's no setup needed. And the same for UAE. Um, so yeah, it's so easy. And there, there's most sellers get reached out to by, by Amazon reps and they reach a certain threshold and they'll push you and try to get you to get started. And we actually have a very close working relationship with those reps because they'll send those clients that they introduce or try to get them to expand to us. Um, and then we'll take over. Um, so the point is that there is such a streamlined process for all this. It's just about knowing what to do. So like, if I'm going to list it for you, it's going to be number one, compliance, making sure you got that done. And if not, making sure you get the right licensing, the right labeling done. You know, every country has its thing. And then, of course, making sure it's affordable, the shipping, and then figuring out how you want to get it shipped in ultimately. And of course, that shipping person, make sure they connect with your importer and do the customs clearance. Awesome. Uh, do you think it's still, is there still enough time to, you know, expand into some of these marketplaces, you know, kind of all since we're already in Q4? Yes. Yes. The short answer is yes, absolutely. Singapore, they could do that tomorrow. As long as the listings are up, it's an English marketplace. And just let me mention, they're extremely wealthy there. So they're buying things that people are selling in the US for half the price, literally. So, you know, people are looking for another alternative where it's not so saturated, they could sell it with less competition. And also the markups, the margins are way, way higher. So when I'm telling you that someone's doing, let's say 
30% of what they're doing in the US and Canada, have a mind, his margins might be very similar to what he's doing in the US. He's not competing with hundreds and hundreds of other sellers in his category. Might I say thousands? I don't know. You guys are the Amazon people, but there's way more people than just hundreds. But there's, but there's, yeah, there's, there's just so much more opportunity in a marketplace where there's less competition. Yeah. And something kind of a, a little hack, you know, simple hack is, um, you know, the search bar, right? You could pull up all these uh, various marketplaces and put in maybe your top three keywords and see how many results pop out. Right. Wow. And that's a really good way to gauge, you know, if, if you're selling uh, horse shampoo, you know, and that might be, that's pretty niche. You know, the, the United Arab Emirates, like you said, people there have tons of money. Um, you know, uh, Australia people are, you know, fairly wealthy country. So, you know, like you said, you might be selling that poor shampoo for 50 bucks here, but there you can maybe triple or even more because nobody else offers it or maybe five people offered and they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, I always laugh. I always pick on the brand Stanley tools, right? Like if you ever go to their, I don't know if I haven't looked at them lately, but if you ever go to their Amazon page, it's like, four in one screwdriver or like, you know, it's like the most basic, you're like, okay, like somebody who's not an Amazon person put all of these things up and like, they just pretty much like walked away from it. Right. Like it's like, they could care less. Yeah. So that's where the smaller sellers have an advantage against those big brands is to kind of be a little more nimble and, and more focused, more 80, 20, right. Like just taking a few products that you can make some good money on and, and tackling that. Maybe once you get a foothold in that marketplace, get a little brand recognition, then you can start bringing in more of your catalog or expand to different types of products. So, um, yeah. I, th I think that that's a, that's a great, great point. What are, uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? You kind of mentioned a little bit about like, you know, uh, trying to maybe do too many marketplaces at once, too many products at once, any other, uh, kind of, uh, you know, major mistakes that people make when expanding into these other marketplaces? Yeah, great, great question. So um, the reason why we're in business is because Amazon actually does not provide shipping internationally to these marketplaces. Um, the reason being is because there are certain, certain parts of it, there's certain red tape that they don't want to get involved with. Um, some of those things are customs and some of those things are acting as importer of records and things like that. So the mistakes you want to avoid, number one, I would say is making sure when you're shipping into Amazon, you're actually billing all the duties and taxes to yourself, you as the shipper, or if you're using a freight forwarder, make sure it gets billed to them, whatever agreement you make up, whatever it is, make sure it's not billed to the receiver, which is Amazon in this case. Um, the reason why people make this mistake is because typically that's, that's how shipping is done. When you're shipping to someone internationally, usually they're the ones that are going to be paying for the taxes when it arrives to their door. So I don't know if you ever received something internationally. You got a call from DHL or UPS and say, hi, I have a package for you. There's this and this due before delivery. You want to pay with a credit card or you want to pay the check by the door. I don't know where, but they still take check by the, by the door. But the bottom line is they won't deliver it without that. Now, if Amazon's going to get such a phone call, look, we have some packages to deliver to your FC and in order for us to deliver, you need to pay, your shipment's gonna get refused. So that's the biggest mistake you wanna avoid. You wanna make sure that all the taxes are built to yourself. Um, another thing you wanna make sure is that you're the importer on record or importer of record. Everybody's gonna call it something else, but basically it's the person that's responsible for the security and the clearance of your shipment. So the, the shipping carrier or customs wants to make sure that whatever is in this package, I could call somebody up and say, hey, 
Amy, hey, Andy, what's in this package? We just want to make sure that like you're not shipping drugs or explosives. Obviously, it's not so often that they'll call you up. But if the importer is listed as Amazon, that's a huge red flag for them. And again, it's usually always the receiver that's the importer because it needs to be someone that's in the forwarding country that it's being delivered to. So these are very, very basic things that a lot, a lot of sellers mess up with, with the first shipment that they do, and then they end up giving up. The reason why they end up messing up is because nobody's advising them otherwise. When you call UPS or DHL or FedEx, they are just a shipping company. They're not e-commerce based or Amazon based. They're not savvy with these rules. They don't know, know how to advise you on these things. And every rep that you're going to call is going to tell you something else. So you're going to end up, they're going to tell you the way normally it works is, you know, the receiver should be all these things. Um, so that's when you want to make sure you're using somebody that's familiar with these things, knows how to advise you. But if you are working with the carriers directly, make sure that you know this in advance and you don't make any of these mistakes. Uh, I, I should mention one more thing. You do want to plan on returns. Returns, Amazon, the same way they don't provide shipping internationally, they're not going to provide you with an international returns option because normally returns is shipped back domestically in the country that you're in. So you want to make sure you're working with a provider that has a warehouse location that you can ship it to in the country that you're selling in, and then they can ship it back to you or work out some other arrangement. And we actually offer that service as well. Uh, that's awesome advice. Um, the other great advice there could be, you know, and this could work, you know, both ways is, you know, find somebody in the UK on, on a Facebook group for Amazon or something and say, hey, you know, do you want to be my my person in the UK to, to help me with my business and I'll return the favor in the US? You know, that I've seen people do that. And that's, yeah, uh, you know, that that helps a lot. So that's something to think about. Um, something else I'm curious about is, you know, what level, you know, if somebody's just starting out, this may not be right for them. So kind of what at what level of sales do you think, you know, people should really start thinking about expanding into these other marketplaces? Or do you think, you know, if you're new off the, you know, if you're just starting today, you know, if you were starting today, would you just do, you know, U.S. and one other? Would you just do U.S. to get it down? Like kind of what what would be your guidance there in terms of uh, expanding globally, um, you know, for a minimum you know amount of, of sales or experience? So if I were starting out today, I definitely would not go internationally right away. You know, I do want to feel like I did everything in every single way or I, I met every channel that I can within the opportunity of, let's say, the U.S., and then I could take a step back and say, okay, I feel like I'm ready. Um, I would say based on, you know, everything that you could possibly do, you know, you're the professional, let's say with like PPC, PPC pictures, everything you could possibly think of, I've done that. If you feel like you've done all that and you're ready to move on, um, then, then so be it. But typically it would be a seller that has done, you know, at least a million dollars a year in sales that would look at, the international market, unless, you know, they're in a very, very small, you know, niche over here in the U.S. or a very saturated niche. And they're like, it's not working here. Let me look at other marketplaces. Or it could be somebody that's sending, sending things that are very seasonal into Amazon and they could send it into Australia, for example, where the seasons are in the opposite way. And, you know, they missed the season here and they could say, OK, great. Now let's take the opportunity and send it down to Australia where we might be able to sell out and we might have a successful season in the end. So there's, there's a couple of ways of looking at it, but you know, overall, I would definitely advise somebody that feels like they've maximized their full potential in, let's say the first market that they've gone into, 
to then take the next step and you know otherwise they're going to repeat the same mistakes in the other marketplace that's that's usually what we see i love it so kind of on that same note um you know any processes or anything anything else that people should have in place before they start going uh to the international markets any processes you know they have to have their inventory fully fully solid they they need to have inventory to be able to send otherwise they're going to run out of the us and then what's what do they have to gain if there's one marketplace that has and one that doesn't you want to make sure you have enough inventory that every marketplace should have exactly what they need that's the whole point of going internationally to sell more and not just like one marketplace gets you know special attention over the other um unless their profit margins are better in another marketplace and they might choose to do that. Like, you know, there are a lot of people that are low in inventory now. So definitely I would say that you want to make sure your inventory is fully, fully in check. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> like, where's the mute button? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, was, that was like one of, that's like, you, you just did what I normally do. So I, I'm happy to see that I'm not the only one. <laughs> I love that. Zoomisms. I feel like, I feel like Zoom is very soon going to have a lot of their own kind of words, just like some of these other platforms do. Um, so what about when, when it comes to shipping, is there any benefit, like for example, in Canada, is there any benefit to starting with FBM instead of doing FBA? It's a good question. So when you are doing FBM, we, we do find the conversion between FBM and FBA is about 80%. So it's a great way to start. And if you wanna do FBM, I would highly recommend doing the NARF program. And the NARF program was clearly designed for people just to get like a little taste of what the international marketplace could do for you. And then what Amazon will do is they'll try to push you as much as possible to get into FBA. Again, if you're eligible, you know, if you reach a certain market, it's usually one, 1 million or 1.5 million a year in sales and they'll reach out to you. Um, but that was the whole point of the NARF program to try to get you to do FBA because clearly we've seen sellers that the minute they convert, they're doing close to 80% better. So there is, there is something to be said if you want to try it out. Definitely a safer, safer approach. But it's, it's usually more costly. And remember, the duties and taxes, you're responsible to pay for that. So if you're sending in something that's very high value, right, a 70 80 $100 item, you are responsible for the taxes. And you're paying taxes based off what the customer purchased before because it's a sold, sold item. Versus if you're doing FBA, you're sending it into Amazon and the product is not considered sold yet. You could put on the customs invoice, whatever your, your cost is. And taxes are significantly lower based on that, right? So you have to you know, do the math and figure out what, what works for you. But it's usually just like a safe play to say, let's do FBM, let's figure it out. And if you want to do the bulk and you want to see the really, really good results, it's usually what happens when, when you're doing, you know, FBA. It's just how their algorithm is set up. Um, so yeah, we've, right. we've I mean, it makes more, it makes more sense to send products in bulk to another country instead of um, sending them one by one, as you mentioned with taxes and everything else. I mean, I can send, I, I was looking to ship one of my products to Australia because somebody wanted it there. And it was like $60 to ship one product to Australia. 
wow. versus if I ship in bulk to FBA Australia, right, then I'm going to pay a lot less, especially if I'm shipping from my supplier. I think right. where, where you can get in trouble is if you are shipping it to the US and then you're paying again to ship it to the next country, you know, you're, you're paying those fees over and over again. So I think just we've, we've had other folks on the show talking about um, shipping from, you know, into international marketplaces as well. And I, I think one of the main things to keep in mind, like you said, Pearl, is just streamlining that. Like, how can yeah. you make sure that you're, you're minimizing your costs and making it worth it? But to just get your dip your toe and see if that other marketplace, if you're going to make any sales there, it's like me. I know there's demand in other countries for my products because I'm always getting messages on Facebook and stuff of people living in other countries saying, do you ship here? You know, um, so that's that's a good indicator that my products are needed in other countries. Um, and I only sell them in the U.S. right now. So <laughs> hey, mate. I know I, I, my yeah. I'm looking out for you, but it's the best feeling when these people reach out to you internationally. Do you offer like, you know, shipping or do you sell your product? I do. It's I actually go feeling. I, 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 I love website. We now ship to Canada and a few other countries, but it's very expensive comparatively yeah. to if we had those logistics set up. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it would be a good thing to expand, but it's a lot of extra overhead. So people have to really think about overhead. You know, um, you're you're now managing PPC in all these different countries. You're now managing your listings in all these different countries. So for us, it just hasn't made enough sense. We just don't have the bandwidth to you know to expand yet. Uh, but something to keep in mind. I've learned a lot today listening to you talk about um, shipping into these other countries. So that's awesome. Awesome. Well, we usually shift over to the, uh, the business side of our guests. And, uh, you know, we like to talk about um, what is the toughest barrier that you've had to overcome being a leader in this business and, um, and how did you do it? Oof, that's a good question. That's like a fully loaded question. Let me think about that. Being a leader, let me tell you, not easy you know people people look at it and say oh it must be you know the best feeling it's so great it's so you know all, all the right all the right adjectives to that but the really but the, the reality is though that it's it's a lot of pressure to you know always come in with with a smile you know business is not always as great you know we we've been hit very very hard during the whole restock limit thing, you know, our business went down considerably when we weren't able to ship in and we weren't going to let go of people. We didn't want to do that. Um, we love our employees and, you know, we, we know how much is on the line for them just as much as us. So, you know, coming in with a smile every day because, you know, the way you are ends up trickling down to everybody else is something that I've learned, you know, very, very early on, you know, the fact that I was able to start from entry, entry level, literally, to where I am right now has taught me so much about people, you know, and how it feels to feel appreciated, and to hear a good word. And even that smile on the face, and I never realized how it affects people when I just walked in, and I didn't say a good morning, because I might have been on the phone, or just busy, or again, you know, it's been a hard day. 
and people take it personally. So we have to be so mindful when we are in a leadership position of how many people's lives we actually affect every single day. And, you know, that's something that I've learned. And then, you know, more technical aspect is, you know, different processes. So we actually implemented a process in our business called the EOS system. I don't know if you're familiar with that. If you go look it up, you're familiar, you're nodding your head. Cool. The entrepreneurial operating system. And that has been a game changer for us. So basically the way it essentially works is that we, we have a structure the way we have meetings. We have a structure on how we do, let's say, reporting. Basically, we each have something called a scorecard. Sounds so elementary, but it's literally the best thing. You know, so many things, if you don't talk about it, goes like unseen. Nobody knows what you actually did, right? So we have a scorecard where literally we have, let's say, five to 10 things listed and we of our responsibilities, let's say for myself that I meet every single person on my team every single week. And I would have to score myself from one through 10. And, or if I know, let's say I have eight people, in my executive team, I would have to score myself from one through eight. How many people did I meet? Or for example, um, one, like, like I mentioned the whole greeting thing, right? I wanted to fix that. So I added that onto my scorecard percentage. Did I, did I greet everybody every single day? And by what percentage? So we end up scoring each other. And guess what? We actually are in a meeting once a week and it's called a level 10 meeting where there's also a format and how that goes. So we start off with state of mind. We share how we're feeling, everything out of the way in case you had a bad night's sleep or something happened that morning with one of your kids. Everybody knows this is what's happening and this is why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving. And that's it. It's out there. So we start off with that and then we share our scorecards and it's not about, okay, you were good or you were not good. It was just for yourself to share with everybody else. How did my week go? This is where I want to improve. This is what I want to get better at, or this is where I was super at and everybody's going to, you know, cheer me on. So that's, you know, something that we do. And that really, really helped our business because what ended up happening is too many people we're sitting on everybody else's seats or just was a mumble jumble. So right now working through the system, everybody has their seat, their capacity, and everybody's happier than they ever were. So yeah, the EOS system, everybody should check it out. And if anybody has any questions, they could be, they could feel free to reach out to me because I am in love with that system. It's working really well for us. I love it. That's so cool. So our next question is what books, podcasts, et cetera, are you reading or, or what's keeping you motivated? Um, and maybe you can recommend the book that. <laughs> the- looking, at, looking at my bookshelf right now, books. Okay. So you ever heard of Pat- Patrick Lencioni? Okay. No, uh-uh. oh, you should read his books. Patrick Lencioni. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, Basically, he writes business books, but every business book that he writes is based on a fable. So it's not like this boring thing where you keep nodding off because like, okay, I'll take notes and I'm just going to keep rereading the same page again and again because like, it's so boring. I literally read his books in one standing. So he has, he's actually, you know, a coach for businesses and he writes these books based on different business practices that he's teaching you. And instead of, you know, giving you a checklist of like, do this and this and this, he bases it on a company and how they learn different things based on the situation they were in. And it's 
fascinating. She has books on meetings, books on, you know, five rules of, let's say, leadership. Um, yeah, he's got a, the man, he's got a bunch. Yeah, I just, I just dropped the link in the chat. He's got yeah, quite a few. Yeah. So he has like a ton of books. The guy is incredible. Podcasts. Mm, I love Oprah Winfrey. It's so not related to business, really, but it is related to business because she teaches you so much about people and how people are and how people react to different situations. Uh, that's what I'm listening to right now. Actually, the book that I'm reading now, this very moment, is a Barack Obama's book. I, I find the guy fascinating. You know, just he made it through quite a quite a bit of challenges to where he got to. So that's what I'm reading right now. Very good. I love it. Okay. Well, last but not least, um, how can people get in contact with you? So they can reach out to me by email. Um, PA at firstchoiceship.com or pearl at firstchoiceship.com. And I would love to help them expand their businesses or talk EOS or talk about Patrick Lencioni because those are some of the best things that I love. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Pearl, for being here. And thank you everyone for being here as well. Uh, we're about to hit stop on the live stream and stop on the recording. And we're going to hang out here and see if anybody has any other questions before we head out for the week. But I just want to thank everyone that's out there for uh, listening every week. I want to thank our regulars who come in here every week in this Zoom chat and they're here with us in the Zoom meeting. I love it. We love it. And thank you everyone for rating, reviewing, subscribing to our podcast this is my, and I know Andy's favorite thing to do every week. It's our chance to just, number one, give back. Number two, learn great things. And number three, meet great people uh, like our guests and all of you who, uh, who come along for the ride. So thank you all so much. And we will see you guys next week on the Seller Roundtable. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.